If you're a founder, you know that fundraising is a big part of the job. What you might not know is that Carta is there to help. Carta's new fundraising suite provides startups of all stages the best tools and support to easily issue safes, accurately forecast solution, and quickly close funding rounds. Save time, money, and make your next round your best yet. To learn more or to get started, go to carta.com forward slash fundraise. That's carta.com forward slash fundraise. Welcome to Inc.'s The Founders Project with Alexa Von Tobel. I'm Alexa, the founder of LearnVest, author of New York Times bestselling book, Financially Fearless, and second book, Financially Forward. I'm also the founder and managing partner of Inspired Capital, a venture firm focused on the entrepreneurs of the future. Each week, we sit down with a top founder to share their story of guts, inspiration, and drive. Hi, everybody. I'm your host, Alexa Von Tobel. And this week, I want you to meet Kieran Bacharju, the co-founder and CEO of Arcadia Power, the company on the mission to make renewable energy accessible to everyone. With hundreds of thousands of users nationwide, Arcadia has been deemed a technology pioneer by the World Economic Forum and Inc. named Arcadia one of the best places to work. Before founding Arcadia in 2014, Kieran was a co-founder of American Efficient, specializing in selling passive energy efficiency as a resource in the PJM capacity market. Before that, Kieran was a congressional aide to the Kentucky Congressman John Yarmuth, where he worked on energy policy. Kieran, additionally, is an award-winning author and holds a BA in English and Political Science from the University of Pennsylvania. Welcome, Karen. I'm so excited to have you today. Um, and I want to just dive right in. So let's step back. First things first, what is Arcadia in your own words? Yeah, so we're building the first nationwide digital utility. You know, that is to say, most of us know the utility as the bill we pay, the energy we get in our home, and there's no choices, no options. It's just the thing we do with one company. And what we're building is a way for people to access cleaner energy, smarter energy, energy efficiency, new energy choices for their home and their environment in a super simple, easy, digital way, modern experience, no matter where you live in all 50 states, home or apartment. Wow. I'm like, wow, big vision, uh, big idea. Can we just go back to the early days? What was the aha moment for you? And we're going to go back into what you did before Arcadia, because obviously somewhat related and in fact, pretty linear to you coming up with this. But what was the aha moment? I'll go way back. And you may not recognize from my Scots Irish name, but I grew up in Eastern Kentucky and it is coal country. My little league team was sponsored by Massey Energy. I knew folks whose parents worked in the coal mines. My Dad worked on black lung patients. I wouldn't say I had the idea back then, but it was just this understanding that energy was everything. It was, and especially in a place like Eastern Kentucky, it's the culture, it's the livelihood, it's the economy. But you know, you you do learn growing up there that those are the folks that powered this country through the Industrial Revolution, through wars, and and it's just so monumental in terms of our way of life and the economy. It's making people sick. And we have this structure. And so after I went to college and I came to DC and I worked on Capitol Hill, it was an amazing first job out of college because it was like a PhD in how things work. And I learned there actually a lot about utility companies, these monopoly structures that exist that made sense a long time ago when you had multiple companies trying to run wires through the streets, um, but doesn't really make sense today. When, there are, when the infrastructure is built and there's tons of options. And so through working in 
policy and politics and actually a failed climate bill, if you remember that from uh, over a decade ago, I knew I wanted to work in this sector and that it was exploding. And I think there's there's really, I mean, if you really think about, I think a lot of people are thinking about climate and climate work today. Obviously, it matters for the environment and decarbonizing matters for the planet. It's also the biggest wealth creation opportunity, hands down, of our generation to shift a multi-trillion dollar infrastructure and industry to new, cleaner, efficient sources is just a monster opportunity. And I didn't think Washington would get there fast enough. So I actually started a company before this with a couple of friends, was lucky to be along for that ride in a startup doing energy efficiency, and then really got the idea for Arcadia. You know, there's a buildup. I think everyone wants to think there's an aha moment, but there's really just a buildup of data points and data points. And honestly, there was a moment, there was there was a brief moment actually where I was at this conference and, uh, and the best business ideas do not come out of conferences, but this, this <laughs> one did. Uh, it was a CEO of an energy company on stage. And I had just talked to a friend who was starting a new bank and it no longer exists, but he was in the fintech space and he was talking about building a brand and going direct to consumer and going up against the old incumbent. And it was the, the timing of that with being at this conference where there was a executive in the, in the in an energy industry saying, you know, I'm trying to sell rooftop solar, but I don't own the bill. And if you don't own the bill, you can't deliver an energy service because that is the thing customers understand. And so it was sort of the, the mix of these two things, seeing what was happening in, in the broader technology world of insure tech, fintech, healthcare companies, building a brand, going direct to consumer, understanding the consumer, and then delivering them products that are personalized. Um, I knew someone could do that in the energy world um, and it was untouched. It's one of the least digitized industries. So owning that relationship and owning that uh, home energy bill, which is the behavior we all sort of understand, that I just knew that was incredibly important. I want to shift. Accessibility is core to what you're building, and you're essentially making renewable energy accessible to millions of customers. Can you just quickly step back so everybody out there listening, pretend that we're all a cons- you know walking through the consumer experience of being an Arcadia customer. How is it different, and what does that look and feel like? What is it like to be one of your customers? There is a desire and an action gap. So there's a lot of people that want cleaner energy, right? If you ask people, I want to support fossil-free, pollution-free energy, they say yes. Getting to the action to make that happen is wildly complicated and most people don't know where to start. If you come to Arcadia, you sign up in two minutes, we take care of all of that for you. And there's a lot of complexity you can unpack behind the scenes and we're happy to expose customers to it that want it. But really, we just want people to live their values. If they want cleaner energy, they want to save some money, this is a simple, easy place to do it. So the process, I'll I'll walk you through because there's probably a lot of entrepreneurs listening. And I was going to say, and I think this is a topic that's pretty confusing for consumers because sitting here, I'm like, not only do I passionately want clean energy, but if you can make it seamless for me and maybe even save money, you had me at hello, but it feels cumbersome to switch. So walk people through how you make that easier. That's totally right. So the the common factor is everyone pays a power bill. And the thing, the disconnect, I think the cognitive dissonance is we think about transportation and recycling, but your home power bill is your largest carbon footprint. I mean, frankly, unless you're flying every week, it's your home energy bill. 
So when you go to the website, you connect your existing utility account, similar to plaid.com in the banking space. That's what we built for the energy space. You connect your home utility account. You can choose payment options, how you want to pay your bill every month, whether it's Apple Pay, credit card, ACH, we have a ton of options, and then you're done. And so Arcadia will then, in the background, depending on where you live, connect you to the best clean energy product. And so the complexity is, I mean, it's wild. There's 50 states, there's 50 different energy markets, 50 different ways to actually procure clean energy. And when I tell people this, they it, it, it's, it, their eyes glaze over, but there is a spectrum to buying clean energy that goes all the way from a paper offset to the actual electron to a long-term electron agreement, right? Financial agreement. And so we surface all of these options, but we make it incredibly simple if you live in Tennessee or if you live in New York to get you the best product. But it's a super simple sign up. You pay your power bill with us every month. You connect your utility account. And it's actually a bill you can understand. It's a modern digital experience. And in terms of the clean energy service, we're able to offer savings to customers in more than half of the U.S., so you asked about accessibility to go a step further. So when people think about clean energy today, I think they think about rooftop solar. And the fact is, even at complete scale, two thirds of Americans will never be able to do that because they live in apartments, they have the wrong credit score, their roof is bad, it's tilted the wrong way, there's trees overhead, there's tons of reasons that block people out of that. For people who can do it, that's great. Um, but for the vast majority of Americans, it's not, it's not a realistic possibility. So in signing up for us in just two minutes, we actually connect you to what we call grid-based clean energy. So this is connecting you digitally to uh, a power plant that is off-site, that is somewhere else. The term in energy circles is a virtual power purchase agreement, and that is sort of a, you know, a ridiculously long, complex term for what is basically helping you buy power from a power plant somewhere else directly. And we are the largest manager of those assets in the country. And the way it, for the average consumer, it's sign up, get clean energy, you can save five to 10% off your bill. And there's no credit check, no long-term contract. And as you can imagine, that expands the universe to so many more people. A little bit of this comes from you being the co-founder of American Efficient, specializing in selling passive energy efficiency as a resource. Talk a little bit about what you learned there and what you've been able to translate from that prior job to bring to Arcadia. Yeah, that was an amazing experience. You know, joined a, a good friend of mine from college uh, who had been through a startup. And so for me, coming out of policy and politics, it was a whole new world of what does it mean to build a company? What does it mean to raise capital? You know, what's your go-to-market strategy, sales, et cetera. But I think mostly from an industry perspective, what I learned there was we were selling into utilities and we were selling a product that actually made the consumer's life easier, which was get this energy efficient light bulb and get the rebate easily because it will save you money on your power bill. And what I realized just working on that problem for years was most utilities don't really care. I would say the people there do, but the incentives for the monopoly utility are not around delivering the customer the best, cheapest product. The incentives are driven around 
being able to deploy more capital and get a rate of return. It's just the way these companies are structured in the U.S. And, you know, that is, I think utilities have, you've had sort of progressive utility executives talk about how they want to be closer to the consumer. But at the end of the day, the business model incentives just don't exist. And so uh, that was like a huge learning that we were trying to sell a product better for the consumer, but the buyer maybe didn't have the right incentives to want it. And so it was just this, this learning that it's going to be so hard to change the incumbent that you're going to have to go direct to the customer to actually make the change in the industry. Let's get back to the product side, as this is an incredibly complex business to stand up. How are you able to build the first renewable energy solution to work in all 50 states? Walk everybody through what that was like for you. And obviously, we know that that was an uphill battle, but now also a pretty incredible competitive mode as well. That's totally right. And I think we knew that from day one. And I would say some people in the early days were like, this is masochism. And it definitely (laughs) still is in some respects. So we're talking about you know, large century old companies whose, you know, we, we sort of sit on top of to extract data. I think Plaid faces a lot of similar problems in their business. And, the, the, you know, I talk to a lot of founders and I say it was a reason to raise venture dollars. It's such a big technical problem to solve. And it's so valuable if you can unlock it. We started off, you know, focusing on a few utilities learning a little bit of the patterns of what data we need to deliver products, how to manage the bill, and then adding more and more utilities over time. It is an incredible move. So you mentioned fintech in energy. All of the products we sell are financial products of some sort at the end of the day, right? Like if, if it's not directly on your roof connected to your home, it is effectively the sale of energy as a financial transaction. And so that that was a core insight too. And I think, you know, initially when we started the business, a lot of it was just pulling data, but then we realized unless you own that billing layer, you can't actually deliver a lot of these products. And that is a really unique insight, I think, what makes our company different. But look, I mean, it's really painful, but I think the hard problems are, are always usually pretty painful. And the good news is years later, we have a few utilities, large investor-owned utilities that we've actually developed direct APIs with. And it's an amazing accomplishment considering where we were when we started the company. Last year, you started distributing Arcadia through businesses as an employee benefit, which is really cool, including companies like McDonald's coming on board to help offset employees' emissions. How did you get that set up? What does that look like? Do you think that's going to be a big place where you can continue to scale? How do you think about scaling the business and maybe give an example of some of these customer types? It's incredibly exciting. So I think, you know, a lot of progressive companies have been thinking about employee benefits and how to get better, how to how to provide more for their employees. This was really born out of COVID. Everyone was at home. I'm in my basement right now, right? We're using more energy. You know, we're thinking about our energy for the first time. And if an employer is asking you to be home and do your work, like thinking about your home's footprint is a natural extension. It's the same thing as thinking about your healthcare, your dependents' healthcare, or any other benefits you might provide. And so we started talking to some companies about it from that angle is you've got employees at home, they care about cleaner energy. You frankly have things you're telling the public markets about ESG that you need to, you know, targets you need to hit. We can make it incredibly simple. Even if you have offices all over the U.S., customers all over the U.S., we can make it incredibly simple for you to decarbonize their footprint. And that has has really resonated. So we've 
you know, McDonald's is an example. Um, we're working soon with Goldman Sachs, um, with a number of different companies across sectors who are thinking about their employees, their employees' footprints. Um, and there's actually a thing, this is new to me, but for public companies, when they report, uh, and, and you've probably seen Larry Fink and BlackRock talking a lot about how companies need to think about, they all need to report their, their climate impacts. There's a thing called scope three emissions, and it's the emissions from your employees, as well as I believe your suppliers. And now that businesses actually have to think about that, I mean, we, we are sort of an essential service actually for a lot of businesses that have remote employees and want to help them decarbonize their homes. So it's an amazing tool for us. It's an amazing way to obviously expand the platform. And I mean, companies really need it uh, too if they're gonna hit their objectives. If you have to fast forward five or 10 years, what's really obvious to you? What's one point of view that you have that maybe nobody else sees? And you can have more than one, but just give us a sense of like, if you had to make a bet and you had to put all your money on one thing, outside of obviously Arcadia, which you would you already have put your whole life's work into it. But give us a sense of just your hypotheses for five to 10 years from now. I think the centrality of the customer and the demand side of the equation is all that will matter. So let me let me step back and talk about it. So energy for the last hundred years was about supply. Who owned the power plants? Who financed them? Who was making the electrons? And I think the next hundred years of energy has nothing to do with the commodity, actually. It will be cleaner because it's cheaper and we know that, but it's demand. And here's where this becomes incredibly important, why I think personally companies like Tesla and other OEMs and EV companies are going to be so important. Demand, the increase in the need for electricity, electrifying everything, but also the different times of use and the amount that we use power, whether you charge your car at night have a battery at home, managing what's happening in the home. The demand side of energy is all that matters. And 10 years from now, people will look back and they'll just say, well, the supply is just commodity. Like It'll just be there. People will build, they'll get their 6% return. But who owns the demand to actually buy that power, use that power at different times a day and orchestrate all the nodes that will be on the grid? That is the game. That is the utility of the future, is actually orchestrating all these nodes on the grid and the customers that are doing it. So it is obvious to me. It is not obvious, I think, to a lot of people in energy. Any other adjacent insights or any other things that you just been that you find to be really unique as you think about renewable energy and your customer? Sort of adjacent to that is just the centrality of data in energy. So it is completely stovepipe. Like most people can tell you, yeah, I use more energy in the summer, or maybe I live in you know, a cold climate in, in the winter, but even intraday, like how they use energy is important. And it's important for all the companies that want to sell you products, whether it's us selling you community solar, whether it's um, Sunrun selling you rooftop solar or Tesla selling you a battery, knowing what happens in the home to size those products is important to know when to use the battery when to charge the EV. And so the data has just been stovepiped in this industry. Every utility sits on their data. Our view is the customer should own their data and it should be accessible and it should be transferable. It should be understandable. And I think we're just on the, we're on the vanguard of making this argument uh, with a few other companies, but it is, it is incredibly important.
Alexa here. Not only do I get the opportunity to speak with all types of founders on, for starters, but I'm a repeat founder myself. We all know how vital fundraising is to a startup. Carta knows this too. That's why they had founders in mind when they created their fundraising suite, providing tools and support to take the friction out of fundraising. They save founders time and money, allowing you to focus on your goals, not the admin work needed to close around. From simply issuing safes to quickly receiving funds, Carta Fundraising Suites helps their cap table customers raise a better fundraising round. To learn more or to get started, go to carta.com forward slash fundraise. That's carta.com forward slash fundraise. My last big question for you is if you have to just predict how quickly this will move in terms of pacing velocity. Policy can move mountains, right, overnight. I know that. I knew that from my time on the Hill. Um, you see it in healthcare, right? We've seen it in the financial space with Dodd-Frank and other stuff recently. Obviously, what the Fed's doing for the economy now. And what's amazing about this administration is they're thinking about climate across every single lever of government. So it's going to pay massive dividends, and it will move things quickly. But I also think the companies like us, Nest, Sunrun, Tesla, on and on and on, all the EV companies coming to market, they're so important in changing the cultural narrative around the energy we're using, the products we, the end, you know, people in energy use this trope a lot. And it's like, you're not buying energy, you're buying cold beer and warm showers. And, and I think with more and more of these products in your life, more and more people driving electric cars and getting the power, you know, back, backup power, buying clean energy. I think it changes the cultural conversation to push the policy even faster. So I see it sort of like, uh, you know, it will, it will accelerate and there's, there's no turning back. And, and, you know, it's an amazing moment in time to be working in this industry. I mean, there are a lot of people who have a lot of scars from 10, 20 years ago, trying to, to do similar things and um, the timing's right. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. And I would say not only between the, the policy need, but the, obviously the fact that it's begun to become a really big part of the cultural conversation, but then also monetary policy being as it is, you have more capital than ever before. So you actually have the money to go properly make some of the investments that maybe were harder to justify prior. And then you have more entrepreneurs like you, brilliant people wanting to go fight for it, which is a perfect transition. I want to talk a little bit about you. Let's just start with, did you always know you were going to be an entrepreneur? And if you rewind to like your 10-year-old self, is where you're sitting, is the seat you're in right now enough? Was it a pretty obvious one? Does it feel like it matches? Absolutely not. You could talk to anyone in my life and it's <laughs> absolutely not. Uh, I think I wanted to be governor of Kentucky for a long time and probably probably still do a piece of me. In your future, you could be the governor Well, first oh. continue to change the plan and then you can be governor. Totally. So uh, look, I got into... I think like a lot of people, I came to DC because uh, I was interested in big ideas. And I think entrepreneurship for my generation because of software made the ability to turn big ideas into products. And, and you could just, you know, I tell my wife this like almost once a week, I'm like, we had this idea and then we did it. <laughs> like we put it in the market, put it in the customer's hands quickly. And that is just such a profound thing you can do as a software business. Um, and, and so, no, this is, I love big ideas you could, and, and this business to me is just one massive idea. And I think that is, uh, so yeah, I'm glad I'm on this path, but it was not, it was not something I ever considered. 
again, uh, I want to bring it back because I do think it's just a really unique part of your background, but you grew up in Eastern Kentucky coal country and you're now on the exact inverse. If everybody could see behind Kieran is this beautiful picture of this clean energy plant. I mean, it's really cool. How do you think that impacts the way that you think about what you're building today and you know, what other relevancies would you draw from that? Yeah, so something I talk about often that previous administrations I don't think focus enough on is we're going to make this energy transition and there will be losers. There will be people that got left behind and we need to account for that. I mean, places like Eastern Kentucky are, have been devastated and no, nobody has created a plan for what's next. And to me, that is going to accelerate in a lot of parts of the country. And it's incredibly sad to see like what, you know, my hometown, the whole region is going through. And I think we have to, we, we have to, and my hope is the Biden administration puts a serious effort into transitioning these economies because it's a, it's a real human cost. Um, it's one we need to, like, I will not sugarcoat it. Like we have to make this transition um, or else we won't have a planet to live on. But, you know, we have to also make it palatable for the communities that actually, you know, we we relied heavily on for a century. Okay, I want to transition to outside of running this wonderful fast growing rocket ship, you're also an author. Can you just tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so I, um, I, I worked on uh, Capitol Hill at the very beginnings of the healthcare debate and my father was a physician in Eastern Kentucky and, and there's, there's amazing stories of like Indian American doctors that landed in like Alabama, West Virginia, East Tennessee. There's actually a great book about an Indian doctor uh, who was working on the AIDS epidemic in East Tennessee called My Own Country. And there was a woman my father knew and worked for who built one of the first community health centers in a place called Mud Creek, Kentucky, outside of Pikeville. And it's just this, the most incredible, like singular story. I mean, she was an entrepreneur in a lot of ways, no education, you know, tough background, realized that the need for healthcare in her community built this community health center and no one had really told her story on an, on a national level. And it was, it was as important as any other story. So um, I had this personal connection to her. It's called Mud Creek Medicine. It's the story of her life in Eastern Kentucky. She's still going strong in the Mud Creek Clinic in Eastern Kentucky today. And so, yeah, your your listeners should look up the Mud Creek Clinic. It's an incredible story, an incredible person in Eula Hall. That's so special and so wonderful. Okay, so you've been running Arcadia, growing it now for the past six plus years. You little kids. What are your hacks? Uh, everyone out there listening is a fellow founder or wannabe founder at some point soon. What are the things that you've learned are vital to just helping you stay focused, keep everything, you know, stable and continuing to execute at the, the quality and velocity that you are? I think one of the things that, uh, especially during COVID, is it feels like the work is, all, is even more ever present. And having kids actually in this moment has been amazing to just step away. I would say, look, like anyone knows, if you're, you know, you got two kids or two young kids are tough. And I have an amazing partner uh, who does, you know, a lot of, a lot of the work that we share uh, in the house, but it's scheduling, it's uh, preparing things, but it's just taking time away to be with the kids that also pulls you out of the vortex of work. That is incredibly important. Um, I've begun to schedule my days in 15 minute increments, which is very much just added to 
actually getting through what we need to get through in the day. But I would say one of the things I'm still working on is like, how do you manage a team like this? How do you give people the one-on-one attention you want to give them, uh, communicate well? Those are all still things we're still working on. I want to just quickly ask, if you were to think about the thing you're most proud of in the last six years that you built, like a moment where you said, holy, holy smokes, I can't believe that just happened. What was it? On the business side, we're this little company trying to do something new. But last year, our team helped pass a bill in Virginia to expand community solar access. And, it, and we, we had our customers reach out you know, to lawmakers in Virginia. And it was just this incredible moment of realization of, of the impact that this platform at this scale could have, let alone imagining 10, 20, 50x where we are today, the scale and impact. It was such a proud moment for the team and what they could do for our customers, how they could be part of this, you know, do even more than what our platform allows. So it was a really awesome moment. Um, And yeah, we're going to have community solar in Virginia very soon. That's so awesome and so rad. Okay, I want to transition to a few very quick fire questions. Easy, just what gets you out of bed every morning? My kids, uh, they're up early. And I love it. Those that like first two hours before the day starts with them is the best. Uh, literally, my husband and I have a joke where you can just hear like the dun 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 as they're like coming for you, and it's like yes. you're like bracing yourself for like all of the chaos that's about to yeah, come. Yeah, it's a it's a terrible feeling until <laughs> you're up, and then you're like, oh, I love being with that. But yeah, I mean, sleep is precious right now. <laughs> we are we are so in it with you right now. Um, Fast forward two years, how many days a week do you think we're going to be in an office? Five. Five. I will be in the office five days. I will say I love this job because of the people. And I got to see people. I got to talk. We're moving fast. Like Slack doesn't do it for me. So like not everyone needs to, but I got to get out of the basement. I got to see people. I'll probably be there five days, but I'll still be home at five for dinner. And I think that's one of the things in COVID that I've really appreciated is, is being here during that. So. I love that. By the way, I love that you're the only person to date to say five, but you're like, I got to get out of this basement. Uh, yeah, I um, see some people. <laughs> um, so you've been rapidly growing your team, adding, you know, literally dozens of super smart people. What's your favorite interview question that you rely on to get to the core of whether or not somebody is good to join Arcadia? So I ask people a couple of questions. My favorite is, what is the thing that you are better than anyone else in the world at? And, and I give them, I, I preface that by saying, pat yourself on the back. Don't worry about being arrogant. What is the thing you're better than everyone else at doing? And it, usually you get some really insightful answers out of it. Okay, last question. Other than Arcadia, what is one, it can be anything, a startup, a product, anything that in the last six months you've just, you you swear by, you've gotten excited about. And it literally can be anything from like a food snack to a new app to a product, to another startup that you just want to properly pay it forward to? I'm going to have two answers here. So uh, I am obsessed with coffee, but I've recently gotten a Chemex and the sort of the break from work. So a Chemex is this like beautiful hourglass pour over coffee thing. It's so bougie, but I love it. It's a good break to make my own coffee and enjoy it. In terms of startups, uh, and it's sort of related to what we're talking about, there is a rooftop solar company in West Virginia called Solar Holler. And it is alone single-handedly like, you know, 
by multiples growing the solar industry in West Virginia. And it's just such an incredible story about the fact that this can happen anywhere in the, in the US today. It's cheaper, it's cleaner, and it's just an awesome company to, to keep an eye on. I love it. Kieran, I don't want this to end because you're so much, you're so fun to talk to and it's really, you're so high energy. It's so wonderful to be around you. Um, everybody that's listening, first of all, let's thank Kieran for joining us today. Guys, if you want to learn more, check out Arcadia.com. If you want to become a customer, head to Arcadia.com. And please join me next week at Inc. The Founders Project with Alexa Bontobel. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. This was so much fun.